All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of How's the Pressure? I am your host, Haley Winter, and today I have to admit that I am both excited and a little nervous. So why am I nervous, you might ask? Well, in this particular episode, I made a point to challenge myself to ask some uncomfortable questions and to put myself in a fairly vulnerable position and to have a conversation that I've avoided for most of my professional career. So that brings us here to my guest today, Dmitry Yakushkin. Some of you may remember him from a previous episode we recorded together. It's called, Is Pleasure Taboo or Not? If you haven't checked it out, I encourage you to do so before you listen to this one, so you have some context for his background perspective. So what is this conversation that I wanted to avoid? Well, in the past, we've done shows about client sexual encounters, about the boundaries of therapists, but today we take a different angle on the realm of sexuality. This time, the primary focus is on the sexuality and the sexual experiences of the massage therapists themselves. As you might expect, this has the potential of putting me in an uncomfortable position with regards to sharing my own experience. I could have kept this at arm's length and made all the questions hypothetical and relatively impersonal. However, ultimately I decided that it would be missing an opportunity to model the self-examination and vulnerability necessary to tackle this issue. And on a meta level, this episode is ultimately a conversation about being honest with yourself and the experience of being human. I hope you understand my choice to take a personal angle in this particular episode, and maybe it'll help you relate and resonate with the subject matter a little better. As I said before, these are not easy questions for me, but they are some of the most important. I give you my conversation with Dimitri. Dimitri, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I needed to have you back in here. Uh, the last qu- last session we had was amazing, and I realized that there was an important piece that we we didn't really touch on, which is the sexuality of the massage therapist. Because mm-hmm. this podcast is for massage therapists, so. I'm doing a disservice to all of us if we don't talk about our own sexuality, much less the sexuality of the people on our table. Cool, so. cool. Yeah, it's it's an important half of 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 that of that relationship, right? Yeah, I mean, the, when the last thing we talked about in the previous episode was about you can't give if you don't take care of yourself first, mm-hmm. and so if we're not taking care of ourselves, our whole self, then we're going to be limited in what we can offer to our clients. So, yeah, I find. I'm going to throw out some questions that some of it is from my personal experience or from from talking to other practitioners uh, or things that I've witnessed. And my first one is I find personally that after working a long day with naked bodies where I've turned off my sexual self, I'm asexual in the massage room, that when I come home and see my partner, I find it really hard to flip the switch and just let that wall down and become a sexual being. Now, is this common for massage therapists? I'm assuming, or is it common for everyone? Oh my God, Haley, I'm so glad that you, that you asked that question. Um, and it's really brave and like, and it's really important that people start, start talking about this. It is not just common for massage therapists. It's common for everyone. It is one of the more common issues that I have 
with clients that come in and talk about this. They have to be asexual at work. They have a crush at someone, you know, at, at their, at their workplace or, um, they, they feel like someone has a crush on them or there's like an, an, an energy exchange and they always have to shut it off. And, they, and, and that process of shutting off that valve makes it very hard to come home and turn on that valve. So this is one of the more common issues in any field, regardless of what you're doing. And I can imagine it's especially so in massage therapy because it's very important because it's not like you're, you're at your tech job and you have to touch, you know, 20 people a day, you know, like you're... <laughs> that that's not that's not what's going to be happening yeah. so you just have to kind of shut off the flirtatious energy but in in your work you have to shut off you you have touch and you have to shut off your sexuality so you go home to your partner and you touch them and you're still in that asexual role yeah it can be very challenging to like light light that up again yeah. so what are some tools for people like me for massage therapists who do shut that down on a very deep level what are some things we can do to help wake that up or minimize this this challenge we have with letting up that wall and putting it back down. Yeah, I think there's a th- a few things and uh one of them we talked about in the in the earlier podcast which is just kind of like acknowledging your own desire uh and not not letting that bring underground or letting that go underground. So just kind of like being a desirous person, acknowledging that you're a desirous person, that there's nothing wrong with that. You're not going to act on it as a practitioner um and you don't um, but but acknowledgement goes a long way, and because with that comes compassion and acceptance of of who you are, so your identity isn't isn't threatened and 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 not shamed or repressed. So that's a that's a first important step. The next important step is is probably having some way to where you can energetically or spiritually or you know personally transition. Uh, and and do something that where you can shed that persona when you when you come home. So having intent, as we talked about earlier, of like, okay, I'm I'm I was asexual by choice, not by identity. I've acknowledged myself as a desirous person. I'm asexual in this work by choice, and now I am transitioning to being a lover at home and and finding some ritual or five second or five minute or you know however long it needs to be transition where your intent shifts from asexual to sexual. So what are some examples of uh, routines or transitional events they can create yeah, for yeah. themselves? Um, music helps a lot of people. Dance and, and motion help help a lot of people. S- sometimes um, like just uh, a token or some kind of talisman that you hang in your rearview mirror or something that you do as you literally transition out of work that you then can have in your car or in your commute home or however you transition back to home of, of having some way to to acknowledge that you're now transitioning into a sexual person. So something physical or something physical you can do with your body or some kind of music or something to now re-sexualize yourself. Yeah, it's interesting for me. I found that I am a, I'm a real functionalist. So I wear clothes that I can both wear at work and, and socially. Mm-hmm. And I notice a, a distinct change in myself when I change out of my work clothes, yes. like my work everyday clothes yes. into something else. Mm-hmm. Even if it just goes from my, my work pants to jeans. Yes. That can be a huge difference, a huge transition. There for you me. go. You're already discovering some of the things like that, like that, that you can to, to transition. And then, and then lastly is, is doing what you can't do at work at home. 
simply like giving an erotic massage is could be i mean a, a lot of a lot of people might be hearing this and going oh my goodness how like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's alarm like really bells taboo. going alarm off. bells right <laughs> but if you've done the other things if you've if you are now choiceful at work of being asexual and then and then saying like hey i have two distinctly different different things those alarm bells are are really indicative um, of 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 something important happening. You mm. you get alarm bells when something very important is happening. So when you when you have alarm bells of like when you hear the word erotic massage, something very important is is there. And if you are compassionate with yourself and you're acknowledging of your, yourself being a sexual person, those alarm bells are telling you, hey, this, this, we're on to something here. Yeah, we need to pay attention. Yes. I think it, oftentimes people think it's easier to shut down and push all of that away to the side and say that's not okay and not address it in order to feel more secure in the work that they do. But it comes at the expense of their personal ease and comfort with their partner. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Another thing that I've noticed is that when a partner asks for a massage or when my partner asks for a massage, uh, I found it very difficult not to slide into a professional mindset. So this is a massage in our house, and when I'm in a professional mindset, I, I'm, I'm my wall is up, and I cannot transition to anything more intimate. Yeah. So what are some of the ways I can? You know, you suggested giving an erotic massage. That's very hard to do because I have muscle memory. Yeah. I, I start doing body work and I go to clinical. Yeah. So what are some ways I can work with that to? help avoid just sliding right into professional mindset when I'm with my partner? Well, sometimes professional, uh, you, you might need to be in the professional mindset. Your partner might have like a, a, a legitimate issue that needs, you know, 15 or 30 minutes of work and you're going to, and you're going to give that professional thing. Um, it's also your partner. So now like kisses are allowed, you know, like, so you can, you can, you can stay in that professional zone, but you can, you can choicefully add, something intimate or something erotic in into that as well or you can just purely just give a sensual erotic massage and the things we talked about earlier like the the transitionary objects or the transitionary moods that you put yourself into will be necessary for that so you know like if you don't want it to be purely professional don't do it on a massage table do it on a bed or do it with you know like a different set of clothing for yourself or less clothing something that you wouldn't do at work Right. I think the concern is that you're talking about is like, what happens if I start bringing this energy into work? Right. It becomes, I have to treat this with abstinence so mm-hmm. that I can be clear about my boundaries and that they feel like if they, if they, if they start going into gray area, yeah, it might spill into my work and that's unacceptable. I don't want to go to, I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go there. I'm worried that it will go there if I start taking steps in these directions. In, yeah. At home. At yeah. home. Yeah. And, and. I think that's a valid concern if you're acting unconsciously both at home with your partner giving them a massage and with your clients. I think if you're very conscious about your desire, even 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 about your desire for your client and not and choicefully not acting on it and you know conscious of your desire for your partner and choicefully acting on it, both of those have a a very conscious component and an acceptance of yourself that may not be present if you're unconsciously doing your work or unconsciously doing your work with your partner. Because it's very easy to do work unconsciously. Like that's what we're eventually trained ourselves to do. And I think this is where we meet a lot of resistance for massage therapists is it's easy to do it the way I'm talking about doing it. Yes. It's actually hard to create these systems to make it 
available and feel accessible and safe to to have these dual lives. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where we have to find the motivation. And th- th- these lives are important. Our sexual lives with our partners are important enough to put in the work mm-hmm. to make the difference, mm-hmm. as opposed to just working unconsciously, making the blanket statement, yeah. and yeah. dealing with what is as opposed to what we want. Very, very good recap. Yeah, very yeah. good summary. Yeah. So what are some other challenges that people in the bodywork field face? I'm assuming you have had a lot of experience working with body workers, uh, healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. What are some other ones that, other issues that, that we face? Yeah, we, we touched upon it briefly in the, in, the, in the last podcast about taking care of yourself. So body workers will sacrifice their own bodies um, and to, to take care of their clients, you know, like working, seeing like four or five or six, you know, clients in a day is very taxing on your body and you're, you're nodding your head. Yes. It's, it's hard physical work. And, um, and I think that, that that's probably what I see is, is emotional and physical care gets put, put off more and more by people who do body work or people who do, you know, therapy inclined work and your own health starts to suffer. Hmm. So I often hear that partners of massage therapists don't get body work at home. I'm saying that in the third person because, of mm-hmm. course, my partner gets plenty of body work. <laughs> right, right, right. As much, yeah, as, the as, much as they want. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're the, I'm the exception you're for the exception. sure. Uh-huh. Uh, usually it's because, like you said, the person is tired of giving massages at work and doesn't want to take work home mm-hmm. and do the same thing. So what are some options for them to play with that, to make it more accessible so that their partner isn't left out? Yeah, I think it, it, acknowledging it and naming the system of like, uh, of you as the practitioner saying, hey, I do this for a living. Um, I, I, could, I could assume that you might be taking care of me by not asking for it or when, when you ask me for it. And, and I'm happy that you do. I kind of feel, you know, like kind of like, oh, I'm going back into work mode or I, I do this for a living and it's very hard because I'm kind of like burned out. I think naming the system and naming the potential of the system is very, very important uh, mm. right away. So it gives both people a little bit of way to, to kind of relax and know what's going on for the other person um, and, and, and having some compassion, each person having a little bit of compassion for the other, like, hey, I'm dating you know, like, uh, the, the shoemaker and I have no shoes, right? <laughs> it's that, it's that common analogy. So just, just by naming it is, is important. And then, and then being able to negotiate a space of like, oh, okay, well, here's a, a light day or here's, here's some, um, like I can do this or, or, or 15 minutes is really good. Um, after you name the system and after you name the potential for, for where harm can happen to the relationship, and give both people like understanding for each other, then you can start to negotiate as to how you want to, 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 to do massage. That makes, that makes perfect sense because I think one of the fears that massage therapists have is that that's when they start massaging their partner, it's, it's, there's an unending yes bucket there. It's, mm-hmm. there's no, this is the person they're going to be with for the rest of the evening. Mm-hmm. So it feels like they're just pouring more work energy into something that has no defined end. At least with the yeah. massage, they have a specific time period yes. which they're going to work. Yeah, and they don't necessarily feel like they can they can put those boundaries on their partner. Right, right. Or if they do, that they're going to disappoint their partner by doing that. So I think yeah, having uh, an open conversation where compassion's on both sides, where you can then create a container where the the massage therapist feels taken care of. Yes. In giving some TLC to their partner. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you can and you also have a gift. You you have been trained in in a certain skill and you can you can teach your partner as a massage therapist a little bit to get that back, you know. You can say, "Hey, I I know a lot about this. I also know what my body needs. I can teach you, you know, some some skills and then you can learn a little bit and 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 give back to me because that's what I'm missing as well. Yeah. I, I give all day and then it'd be nice to receive back and and exchange in that way. So we've touched on this question a little bit. But I want to ask it directly. Mm -hmm. What's the best way for a massage therapist to address a personal sexual feeling that comes up during a session they're giving professionally? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm going to assume that this probably happens a lot and that massage therapists probably don't talk about it a lot. And it's and it's great that you're bringing that up because that is the most important first step is is acknowledgement. I keep coming back to that, but it is so important to if you haven't had it yet you know, and you're listening to this is to say, oh, this is probably going to happen to me at some point if it hasn't happened already. And it'd be surprising if it hasn't happened already. And two, like normalizing it, like this is a thing that happens. I, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a human being. I wouldn't be on this planet. I wouldn't be doing this work if, if I didn't get some enjoyment and sometimes some sexual enjoyment out of, out of touching people. That's not what my work is about. And I'm not going to continue down that road and make it sexual. But wow, it's really good to have this feeling. It's really good. It's a beautiful thing. So I think depathologizing it and, and trying to, to, to force yourself to move away from it can, can lead to harm. And I think, I think acknowledging it and making it a, downright a beautiful thing, like not, not something that's even neutral and definitely not something that's bad, but, but acknowledging it for, for being human and being beautiful is, is a really good first step. I think it's really interesting that as massage therapists, we're trained to view our clients as a whole human being, mm -hmm. that we're working with all of their, their physical body, their emotional body. We're taking care of them. And yet we put ourselves in this role of robot, mm -hmm. that, we're, that we expect ourselves to not have anything, any very basic human emotions mm -hmm. as we move through our workday. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that can lead to harm. I think that is going to lead to like that kind of repression of, and, and forcing yourself into robot status will create a robot. It'll create a lot of physical tension. It'll create a lot of emotional blockages. And, um, and, and I've seen it in traditional talk therapists. I've seen it in massage therapists, people who, who continue to shut that valve off tighter and tighter and, and then no emotions flow and then no sexuality flows. And that leads to great harm. Yes, when they go back home, and then then they're trying to be in their personal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're and when they're trying to interact with their clients too. Your your clients aren't coming to a robot. They're not coming to. They're not sitting in a massage chair and just getting their body worked out. They need to engage with a human being that understands them and has, like, and has and has um, understanding of their body and has understandings of their emotions even. Hmm. And, and someone that can work with them real time. So you don't want to shut yourself off. You don't want to be a robot. You want to stay a human being. And part of being a human being is being a sexual person. And part of being a sexual person in this society is not acting on it all of the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's fine to not act on it, but it's, it, it can be harmful if you suppress it. Hmm. So before we leave, mm -hmm. do you have an answer for a question that I haven't asked? Sure. I think, I think there is in any therapeutic work, I think there is a great fear of the practitioner of, of doing something wrong, of harming the client in some way. And, um, and then 
in some ways you can do great harm. You can be like a, a massage therapist being sexual with their client can lead to great harm. And so there are some boundaries and ethics of, of work that like ex- explicitly prohibit that. And those are good. Uh, I also think that there is a tentativeness in a lot of practitioners um, because we are such a litigious culture and because we are, are so fraught around sexuality that a lot of potentially good relationships or better relationships between client and practitioner can form if th- that, that, that fraught energy was taken away from the practitioner. I think in, in my work at least, I'm at this stage of my career much more prepared to do repair than I am to hold back, I and I and I've seen that a lot in in um, in different practitioners where they will hold back parts of themselves or parts of their work or parts of their talent for fear of doing harm, and I, I think there is greater benefit in doing repair than there than there is in 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 holding back parts of yourself in, in fear of doing harm to the client. And so do you think it's primarily fear of, of hurting the the client or do you think it's a, uh, a worry that you don't have the training to handle what may come up if that goes the other way? All of the above. I think it's a worry that, that you, you, you don't know how to handle it if something does happen, you know, quote unquote wrong, or you, um, or you're worried about harming the client or you're worried about like, what will the neighbors think, you know, to, mm. uh, you know, or what will other practitioners think if I, if I, if I did this? Um, and, and a lot of those times it, it leads to, um, better therapy. A lot of those times it, it lands, you know, completely flat and nothing happens. And some of those times it does, it does fracture the relationship a little bit, but, but those instances can, you know, can lead to, to, to repair, which strengthens in, all of the ways in which one can do therapy. Hmm. All right, Dimitri. Okay. Well, thank you so much as last time to this time. Yeah. It has been super valuable and uh, I can't wait to do this again at some point. I'm sure we will. I've had a great time. Thanks. All right. Thank Thanks. you so much. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and review it on iTunes. And if you have any questions that you had wished I had asked or topics you want me to cover in the future, please visit the website at www.howsthepressure.com where you can send me an email and hopefully I can include it. Until next time, be good and be well. Be well.